Find that bar of chocolate you've been hiding. It's time to unwrap this week's Coco News. Cadbury owners Mondelez International are the latest to join major global brands in reducing or suspending operations in Russia as a backlash against the war in Ukraine. Mondelez, who have already ceased operations in Ukraine, have said they will be reducing their activities in Russia and that they condemn this unjust aggression and stand firmly with those calling for peace and an end to the war. The confectionery conglomerate, who have a presence in over 150 countries worldwide, and dominate the market share with products like Cadbury's Dairy Milk Chocolate, have said they will be ending investment and advertising spending in Russia. Although the firm intends to reduce non-essential activities in the country, it will continue to support colleagues in the market, who are facing great uncertainty, and ensure continuity in the food supply. Chief Executive of Mondelez, Dirk van de Put, sent an email to their entire workforce, clarifying their stance on the war in Ukraine. In the email, he stated that the company will focus our operation on basic offerings, discontinue all new capital investments and suspend our advertising media spending. He went on to say that the firm would continue to monitor the situation closely, to ensure appropriate measures are being taken. We recognize this is a highly dynamic and very concerning situation, that we will continue to assess and adjust as needed. Mondelez has also committed to increasing their humanitarian efforts through a multi-million dollar pledge that includes cash donations to save the children and an extension of their employee double-match program with the International Federation of the Red Cross, IFRC. McDonald's and Starbucks have also temporarily closed their stores in Russia, and as the war in Ukraine continues, we can expect more big brands to follow. Coco Coalition welcomes the European Commission's legislative proposal with a few amendments. The European Commission released its proposal for a Corporate Sustainability Due Diligence Directive on February 23, 2022. The EC's proposal details plans for holding businesses accountable for environmental harm and human rights abuse throughout their entire supply chain. It puts forward that any cocoa or chocolate company, regardless of size, must comply with the due diligence requirements set out. A directive differs from regulation, in that it is a set of rules the EU members should enshrine into local laws, thus allowing flexibility for each member country to modify as they think is appropriate for their region. A regulation is more rigid in its application across all member states. The proposal was commended by the COCO Coalition, who released a statement in response to the news, saying, We have consistently called for the EU to introduce mandatory obligations of due diligence extending throughout the supply chain. Members of the Coco Coalition include Mondelez International, Nestle and Tony's Chocolonely, as well as certification bodies like Fairtrade International and Rainforest Alliance, and a variety of NGOs. While the Coco Coalition has said they regard it as a genuinely groundbreaking legislative proposal, they have also identified key areas of weakness that need to be addressed for the proposal to be effective, in their eyes. Firstly, they believe that ensuring that Coco farmers receive a living income is, an essential step in achieving a sustainable cocoa sector. Looking to take a more holistic approach to sustainable cocoa farming, Steve Trent, CEO and founder of the Environmental Justice Foundation, EJF, said, while the legislation has a wholly laudable objective, the current draft has serious weaknesses that will leave it sluggish and unresponsive to changing supply chain. First, to future-proof this law, it is vital that grassroots groups, citizens, 
and others are able to raise the alarm on environmental and human rights abuse directly with the European Commission. This first-hand knowledge is irreplaceable, and yet there is currently no channel for it. There is of course, a foundation the EU has laid to support this, in the form of the whistleblower directive that is also supported by the privacy regulation in the GDPR. The whistleblower directive had to be adopted by EU member states by December 17, 2021, so this is relatively new. I'm not sure actually if this will provide the mechanism that Trent was suggesting, but it's worth exploring. A controversial topic is whether this directive will have a disproportionate effect on smaller companies. However, the COCO coalition believes that smaller companies should not be exempt from the proposed due diligence implementations, despite potentially possessing simpler supply chains than their larger competitors. In a very fragmented end market, the inclusion of smaller players is critical to establish a level playing field and to ensure that all companies do their part and work closer together to improve the sustainability of the cocoa sector. Moving forward, the Cocoa Coalition has said it was looking forward to engaging with members of the European Parliament and representatives of member state governments in further improving and implementing the proposed directive. As always, the issue of sustainability has many moving parts, and to truly begin to solve the wider problem, there are many tangential issues that first need addressing, and these may not always be so obvious. Cocobod in argument over $1.3 billion loan disbursement. An accusation has been made that the Ghana Cocoa regulator Cocobod is unable to fully account for a $1.3 billion syndicated loan signed in 2019. Kobina Minta Akando, Member of Parliament for Juaboso, has questioned the whereabouts of the funds, saying that Cocobod failed to provide any substantiation of its spending. The money was secured to be used to purchase approximately 800,000 to 900,000 tons of cocoa from farmers, but Akando says his constituency has seen no money. Akando believes that Cocobod is not being transparent on how the funds have been used. The loan amount was to cover an increase in production from around 800,000 tons and would be in line with Cocobod's goal to increase yields of the crop through government and farmer cooperative measures. Akendo said, the disheartening aspect is that they came to Parliament to seek approval for the syndicated loan of around $1.3 billion, and we approved the money. We were targeting 800,000 metric tons, now we are somewhere around 400,000, yet we don't have money to buy cocoa. Akendo asserts that the cocoa sector is struggling financially in ways that it shouldn't be, considering the size of the loan, and has been unable to get an answer from the organization. Bartox covered the story at the time, and noted at the end of the article, the CEO of Cocobot stating, As soon as money is received, cocoa farmers are assured of receiving physical cash at all Cocobot contracted agent sales points throughout the country when the season is opened in October 2020. Clearly Mr. Akendo doesn't believe that has happened. The loan was provided by a group of international banks and, witnessed by the board chairman of Cocobod, Mr. Hackman Owusu-Ajiming, the chairman of the Parliamentary Select Committee on Finance, Dr. Mark Asabayaboa, and members of Cocobod management. Cocobod has refuted the claim with their own statement from their public affairs department, claiming that it has met all its statutory requirements and agreements with its financial partners in accounting for the syndicated loan for the crop season, 
which closed in September 2021. Interestingly, the statement, while directly referring to the claims made by Akando, remains light on the details of the spending, simply stating that the money has gone into financing the purchase of cocoa and other industry costs. Akando claims, we have asked several times where the money is, and we are not being given any tangible explanation. He goes on to say, if you go to my constituency, for example, as I speak to you, the farmers may have the cocoa beans, but they may not have access to money. He continues. This is the reality because Cocoa Bud is owing a lot of the cocoa buying companies. So there are a lot of challenges in the cocoa sector, as I speak to you now. We are curious to see if Cocoa Bud are able to enlighten their own MPs about how exactly these funds have been allocated and whether they will be able to achieve their cocoa buying goals for the current season. The Ukraine war has led to restrictions on exports of fertilizer, which is set to drive up costs for both cocoa and coffee farmers. Given the Russian invasion, Ukraine, a major producer of agricultural products, has banned exports of fertilizers. The Cabinet of Ministers is introducing a zero quota for the export of mineral fertilizers, that is a de facto ban on the export of fertilizers from Ukraine, according to a statement released by the Ministry of Agriculture. They continued that it was, to maintain balance in the domestic market, that applied to most popular fertilizers, including nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and complex fertilizers. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky said on Friday the country must sow as many crops as possible this spring, despite the Russian invasion. Meanwhile, exports of ammonium nitrate have been banned from Russia, the world's biggest fertilizer exporter, for two months. That could lead to a reduction in fertilizer supplies, especially in South America. Russia temporarily suspended exports of fertilizers until carriers resume regular work and provide guarantees that Russian fertilizer exports will be completed in full. Andrei Melnichenko, who founded Uralcom, Russia's largest ammonium nitrate producer based in Switzerland, told CNBC. One of the victims of this crisis will be agriculture and food. It has already led to soaring prices in fertilizers, which are no longer affordable to farmers. According to the UN Comtrade Database on International Trade, Russia exported fertilizers to Côte d'Ivoire worth $30.81 million in 2020, and Ukraine exported another $4.97 million US dollars according to figures from 2019. The value of Ghana's total fertilizer imports in 2019 was $173 million, of which 36.29 million was from Russia and approximately 4.87 million from Ukraine in 2020. Brazil meanwhile imports 85% of its fertilizer, and 20% of that comes from Russia. They are now seeking to secure more supplies from Canada. According to Fox Business News, who spoke with the Brazilian National Fertilizer Association, the country only has supplies for three months. We are now experiencing firsthand what it means to depend on imported fertilizer, said Jefferson Souza, a fertilizer analyst at Agrinvest Commodities, a brokerage in Brazil. Approximately 20 to 40 percent of cacao beans are lost due to disease. USDA warns in a new article that this could one day lead to insufficient supply to meet the world's demand. We're not sure we'd go that far, as we know from basic economic theory as supply tightens, prices go up. When prices rise, 
farmers from other countries start to produce more, and so the cycle continues. However, there's no doubt this is not a good approach, as it results in significant price instability which is not good for farmers, who as we know, bear the brunt of risk in the supply chain. The report from USDA cites cacao black pod rot as the primary concern because it is found everywhere that the plant is grown. It is caused by a group of organisms called oomycetes that operate similarly to funguses. When the pod is infected, it turns rotten in a matter of days and cannot be sold. Variants of this organism have been found, and researchers from the U.S. Agricultural Research Service, ARS, are particularly concerned about one from Hawaii which, while less aggressive in the way it spreads, is harder to kill at higher temperatures. That's going to be a problem as climate change is already making that an issue for many. The researchers are now actively studying the different ways cacao pod cultivation is impacted by these problems, so that they can find ways to mitigate the issue. For example, we know that cacao plants can also be affected by a variety of viruses, perhaps the worst being the cocoa-swollen shoot disease that has ravaged Ghana and caused Kokobod the regulator to previously destroy 43,000 trees and secure additional funding to deal with the problem. However, the cacao mild mosaic virus, CMMV, was believed to exist solely in Trinidad and Tobago. This virus affects the growth of the pod and can cause the trees to become unhealthy with reduced yield. In 2019 however a researcher, Alina Puig, found the virus in Puerto Rico, and then again in 2021 she identified its presence at a quarantine greenhouse in Miami, Florida. Puig commented. We were able to do genetic analysis on the pathogen and figure out its survival characteristics, transmissibility, and how it acts differently in certain locations. Because of this research, we can now target specific ways to interrupt the pathogen's transmission to other cacao plants. As a result, Dr. Puig went on to develop a molecular test to detect the virus, which has resulted in tests prior to transport, which prevent infected plants spreading to other areas. Any infected plants are isolated for further research, but the question remains whether seeds themselves can transmit the disease, and this is something Puig and other researchers are still working on. The Agricultural Research Service is the U.S. Department of Agriculture's chief scientific in-house research agency. Daily, ARS focuses on solutions to agricultural problems affecting America. Each dollar invested in agricultural research results in $17 of economic impact. Thanks for listening to this week's Coco Newscast. You can also catch our other podcasts, including the Coffee Newscast and the popular Bean Talks with Nick and Max, which goes out every Monday. Stay safe and I'll see you all next week.